1: Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're always glad to be with you as we take this time aside every weekday afternoon for about an hour, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events through a biblical perspective to give us that uh, Christian worldview, which we, we all as Christians should have. And also what we hear in church is that even in the Bible at all, if you've got a question, again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number call, live radio. If you call right now, you're sure to get on. We have a couple lines open. And so we always like to talk to every one of you. And again, so many things going on in our world. Always, always. Don't forget, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker that comes on after To Every Man and Answer. We have with us Jeff Wickwire from Hardwired Program and uh, from Turning Point Church in Dallas-Fort Worth. Hi and welcome.
2: Hey, welcome, uh, back to you, Mike. It's good to, good to be here. We're in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, cow town. Um, but you know, it's really, it, it's a beautiful city now. Uh, just put a little shameless plug in for downtown Fort Worth. It's safe. There's all kinds of security, extra security, uh, horse, on horseback, um, and, uh, police cars. And so it's, it, it's a, it's very nice. So. That's where we are firmly ensconced and uh, planted in Fort Worth, Texas and uh, Turning Point Church. And I always look forward to the show every week because we always get great questions and people are wanting to know about the Bible. What does it say? Because it's the only uh, religious book uh, of a major world re- uh, religion that dared to predict the future. Now, the Book of Mormon, I might add as a little addendum, did do some prophecy, but they've had to revise it and revise it and re-revise it and re-re-re-revise it because the prophecies failed one after another. But not the Bible. The Bible's prophecies have been 100% stunningly accurate, uh, something only God could do. And so that's what we believe about the Bible, that it is inspired by God. And that's how it can be so accurate regarding future things. And that's what I think people are wanting to know about what does the Bible say about what's around the corner? What's going on in our country and in the world? Well, hopefully we can ask, uh, answer some of those questions for you today, Mike.
1: Amen. So looking forward to uh, being with you and answering some questions. Again, that number, 8888-ASK-CSN. And with that, we might as well go ahead and go to the phones right there in your own backyard there in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. We have Andrea with us. Hi, and Welcome. Hi, pastors. How are you today? Good. How may we
2: help? Good.
3: Um, Actually, this question is for my pastor, Pastor Jeff, uh, but I did want to greet you as well, Pastor Mike. Um, We have an upcoming community outreach um, harvest community fair, and I was wondering, I've heard Brad Dacus talk about helping churches do voter registration and do we have a pending booth for voter registration coming up at the Harvest Community Fair? Do you know? Uh,
2: that's a great question. Now, it is something I'm taking to the staff imminently. We're going to talk about where, because I would like not just for the fair, but somewhere within our building until the actual election uh, so that you can, you can register. Um, you know, you'll have, you'll have several weeks to register and not just one event. So I'll I'll find out. Uh, We're going to make a decision, Andrea, on that as well as the Harvest Fair. And I will let you know. You'll hear about it in the services because we certainly want people registered to vote. We do not believe that Christians should not be involved in the voting process. That that has never made sense to me because if you have a chance to vote for something that agrees with God's word, like, you know, the all-time home run hitter pro-life, all right if you have a chance to vote for a pro-life candidate uh, who could do some damage to the abortion industry why in the world would you sit back and not do it I, I it, that's always thrown me you, you're not being political you're taking a stand for an issue that has found its way into the political arena but it's a spiritual issue abortion uh, all kinds of uh, issues that are that politicians and Washington may deal with and pass legislation on. But at their root, they are spiritual issues that God cares very much about. And so if if we as Christians have a chance to let our light shine by voting for a candidate, now, is he going to be perfect? She going to be perfect? Never. They're probably going to be for some things you're not. But let's face it, uh, between one candidate and another, there is usually there are stark differences, and if you vote for the one candidate that stands most on Bible issues, to me, you've done a good thing, and there's nothing wrong with being involved in that process. So we're gonna we're gonna have a, uh, a an ability to register Andre in our church, and uh, I'll check on the harvest fair because we are gonna have thousands of people on our property on that date. So I'll we'll check into it, and you'll hear me announce it. Sounds exciting. And by the way, for all churches, I
1: think if you're doing something along that line, it might not be a bad idea to have a voter registration booth set up since you're going to have people there. Looks like it might be a very good idea. So, Andrea, I hope that helps. Stay the line if you like. Send you out the Movie Jesus, and I uh, think you'll enjoy that. Let's go to Barb, Bari, I believe it is. Bari in Wichita, Kansas. Hi and welcome.
4: Yeah, um, I just got a quick question here about the after the rapture of the church, before the
2: great tribulation starts? Yes. The marriage supper of the Lamb, when will that take place? Will that take place during the seven years of tribulation while we're in heaven? Or will
4: it be when Jesus comes back to earth, we come back with him?
1: I have always believed that that was during the, the, uh, after the rapture of the church, uh, and uh, whether the tribulation is going on here, because... Uh, we have to remember that the rapture of the church does not start the tribulation period. What starts the tribulation period is a peace treaty signed with Israel and most likely over the Temple Mount from what I gather and and research in scripture. So, uh, you know, we've still got this Ezekiel 38, 39 war, whether it's before we're raptured or after we're raptured, but we know there's going to be a little bit of time. We know they're not going to be burning the weapons uh, mentioned in ezekiel thirty nine into the millennial reign of Christ because the earth is so decimated by the end of the tribulation period Jesus has to make it all new again like it was back in the garden and also um, uh, people will live to be almost a thousand years old again so so we look for that but <clears throat> i I believe that it it is uh, when after we 're raptured in heaven before Uh, Jesus sets up his millennial reign. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. uh, Luke 12, uh, 35, here is Jesus, uh, as he so often did, warning us and encouraging us to be ready for his return. He says in verse 35, Let your loins be girded about, your lights burning, and you yourselves like men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, will find watching. For verily I say to you, he shall gird himself, make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. So that's one of several places where it seems that Jesus intimates that when he returns, it is after his return, that he girds himself uh, like a servant. It's kind of hard to comprehend this, but uh, the risen Lord will gird himself like a servant and will serve us at the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is a mind-blowing uh, concept, but that's exactly what Jesus said. So that's one example, one, one place. There's many others where Jesus talks about sitting down with Abraham, Isaac, and others from the Old Testament and enjoying this feast with them there as well. So uh, yeah, I think it is after the rapture and uh, before his second advent and the uh, coming of the millennial time period. I hope that answers it for you. Yeah, that's that's good. But I recently heard a pastor say
4: that the word of God, he said the word of God says, Jesus, when we come back to the earth after the great tribulation, that's going to happen. The marriage supper will happen on Earth because then the, those that were martyred during the Great Tribulation could
2: be a part of it. And I didn't understand that, so
1: I have never heard that. So that's some that's some new new idea twist that that I've never heard. Um, uh, so um, I, 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 you know, I I realize and and Barry for all of us. I mean, there's a lot of people that say a lot of things, but when we understand really um that there is a blessing in the rapture of the church and i think this is something that's important and so furthermore if you go to revelation chapter 6 it says that the angel said who are these under the altar john says i don't beats me i don't know you know and he said, these are the saints that were martyred that came up out of the tribulation. And, and here it is, that they should rest a little while longer until their fellow saints who would be martyred would join them. They're in a different place in heaven than those that uh, were in faith um, from, I believe, from the beginning, uh, whether it be King David, uh, you know, uh, Samuel, um the disciples, all of us, um, I, I believe that that's the place we'll have in heaven. But those that come up out of the the tribulation period uh, are in a little bit different place. And so, uh, uh, now when Jesus comes back to rule and reign on the earth, then they will rule and reign with us, uh, uh, with with the Lord altogether. But there is a blessing, and the Bible talks about this blessing uh, that 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 you're found ready to go when He comes. So I I really don't see um, where somebody would would say something like that. I've never heard that top before. Uh, any last thoughts on that, Jeff?
2: No, I I haven't either. I don't know what chapter and verse, which is what we're always going to look for here. We're going to want to know where'd you get it uh, because something. You know, that strong or that distinct, you, you would think there's a verse. I, I, I've never heard it. I don't know. Um, it seems to me the reasonable, I hate to say logical because God can do what he wants, but it seems to me the, uh, when you as you read scripture and verses like what I just read on the air, uh, it seems to place it in that uh, time of while the world is undergoing 21 Terrible judgments. Let's face it: the, the sealed judgments, trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments. It's it's terrible. It's hell on earth. And while this is happening to the world, the saints of God, the raptured saints, are in heaven, uh, receiving their reward and going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because it's also where I've always felt uh, the the saints will receive their rewards, uh, according to First Corinthians three. Where we will be judged according to our works and uh, we will receive rewards based on how we serve Christ in this life. So I kind of see those two events happening during the tribulation period on earth. Uh, in heaven, it'll be a whole different scene.
1: Yeah. And, and so I, I hope that that, um, you know, um, helps, uh, just read this. This is in Luke 22, 16. And he says, um, for I say to you, now this is right before he had communion there at the Last Supper. He said, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of this communion, literally, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Most everybody has always viewed that as speaking of heaven, not here on this earth. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that uh, mm-hmm. sheds some light on it for you. And that would be your, your um, uh, you know, Uh, your proof text there on that one. I hope that helps.
4: Yeah, it does. Thank you very much.
1: Well, God bless you. And uh, again, um, uh, yeah, I I believe we always just have to check things out, these things we hear. Stay in line. We'll send you out the movie, Jesus. With that, we'll go to Jennifer Festus, Missouri. Hi, welcome.
3: Hello hello, Michael. How are you? Good. How can you? Good. (laughs) I'm doing great. Well, anyway, um, I was talking to the guy yesterday, your man, and I, I was I was too late when I called you guys. But my question is, I met these two Jehovah Witnesses yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. That was, a, that was a headache by itself. Well, anyway, my question is, is that I asked them if they believed in Jesus. Oh, yes. And then I asked them about salvation. And they said, oh, no. Uh, the way you get to heaven is by achieving your good works to God. And I was like, huh? Mm. And they said, yeah. She goes, you got to achieve yourself to God. It's like, no one can achieve ourselves to God because God was perfect, and that's why he died on the cross for our sins. And she goes, well, she goes, and then when I told him, I said, I go to Calvary Chapel Church down on Main Street, and I said, our pastor is Pastor Scott Parker, and he teaches word by word, verse by verse. Oh, my gosh. I just opened up a whole can of worms. And they said, well, we read our Bible every day. I said, you do? I said, well, it seems like your Bible's brainwashing you because it doesn't seem like you're matching up to what I'm saying. So the Jesus CDs you guys send me and the Jesus books you guys send me, I left them in their material stuff behind their little books. And then I walked away and wiped my feet off, and I said, they got a PC with them. And it's exactly what I said. Mm-hmm. And I said, you two are very wrong. You cannot do that. You cannot make yourselves working up to you. and that's what they believe in Mike can you believe it that's what they believe in they believe that you gotta you work your achievements up to God
1: yeah you got to earn your way to heaven and here's the big question mm-hmm. what if you didn't do enough here on this earth to be good enough because of your works to be found worthy of heaven there is no assurance of salvation for them this is tragic because they're approaching God in their righteousness in their works, rather than in the blood of Jesus. The reason we know we can go to heaven, not because I'm good, but the Bible says we're clothed in his righteousness. That's what makes the difference. Second, they believe Jesus is Michael the archangel, but the Bible says that Jesus Christ is God. Now, we have a real problem here in Jesus' identity. Every cult in the world will... Deny that Jesus Christ is God. They'll say he's one of the sons of God. He's one of the greats. There's Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus. Pick your savior. Uh, They they have those all in common that Jesus is not God. But the Bible says, the real Bible, not the New World Version that keeps changing. Again, if you're listening to this and you're Jehovah's Witness, pick up a 2012 version of the New World Version. Version Bible, your Bible, and then pick up a 2013 version when they rewrote it with 10% less words. You know, if I was a Jehovah's Witness, I would be extremely, extremely distraught over this. That willy nilly, they just start going through and removing scripture. Where do they get the authority to do that? You see, friends, there's some real problems here. When they revised the New World Version in 2013, with 10% less words. And if what Jesus said is true, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, now we ha- we live by 10% less than what we lived by before. These are real problems. All occults have one thing in common. Jesus Christ is not God. Number two, there is no hell. And they do not believe in hell. They believe in what's called annihilation. However, again, in violation of Scripture, the book of Jude says they will be tormented with fire day and night forever. Wow. Uh, That's not annihilation. We know that the Bible is very clear of this, but the cults all have that in common as well. Jesus is not God and there's no eternal hell. Uh, This is a real problem because the Bible says There is an eternal hell. I don't believe Jesus would have gave up all the worship of heaven to be born in a dirty manger, to be rejected of men, spit upon, crucified, if it was annihilation. Evidently, there's something very vast and very horrific about hell. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was there, He prayed and he said, Father, if there's any other way that man can be saved, let this cup, that of Jesus dying on the cross, this excruciating, torturous death that he died for us, let this cup pass from me. In other words, if we could earn our way to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. If just being a really religious person would have got us into heaven, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. But Jesus did die on the cross. And very clearly, Paul warns about people coming along preaching another Jesus. Another Jesus. Jesus, Michael, the archangel, are the same. Um, Satan and Jesus are brothers in the Mormon church. When you get into Eastern religion, well, I'm Jesus, you're Jesus, we're all Jesuses. We all have some level of enlightenment. So when you really get into world religions, you find it's always a works trip. But here's what's so beautiful about real Christianity. The Bible says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven. That means we're his children. That means I didn't earn anything. I'm his kid. I didn't have to knock on doors, sell flowers in the airport, eat organically grown food, or wear orange. All I had to do was receive what Jesus did for me. And that's the free gift of eternal life. Now, going back to the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you're out earning, earning by doing charitable deeds, going door to door, giving all your money, all this uh, stuff they they have their followers do, it's not a free gift. That's wages. Look at all I have performed, God. Where's my paycheck of eternal life? You see, you can't earn it. The Bible says if you've erred in one area of the law, you've erred in all of it. And there's no other name under heaven, man can be saved except Jesus Christ. Now, so where does that leave us? Well, we want to pray for them. We love them. We want to stand up and tell them what the Bible says, not the new world version with 10% less words. <laughs> yeah. No, you want to go back and you want to point to them and saying in the original language it doesn't say these things, and so uh, if I was looking at a Bible, I would say, well, you know, if you're modifying your Bible to fit your religion, right there should be a a, a glaring red flag. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, the only thing I would add, uh, Jennifer, is uh, they 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 really do damage to the person and work of Christ. As Mike's been saying, and I think one of the uh, easiest ways to find it, you go to the New World Translation, which is garbage. It's junk. I, I wouldn't have it in my house. Now, if I was using it, if I was teaching on the Jehovah's Witnesses, exposing what they believe, I might look at it just to find out what's in it, but I wouldn't keep it in the house. It's, it's a, it's not even true to the original languages at all. But what they do, John 1, 1, for instance, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, that's what all of our translations say, because that's what the original Greek language said. Uh, uh, The Word was with God, and the Word was God, period. Capital G, he was God. But they say, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, which immediately insinuates one of many. Take your pick. There's options. He was one of many different gods. But no, Jesus is in a a stratosphere all his own. Uh, There is no one like him. He was God the Son. And they also don't believe in the Trinity. So when you say God the Son, they don't believe in the Trinity. So on so many areas, they transgress original scripture. So you were right to uh, leave a couple of tracks there and get out and, uh, just, uh, you know, pray for them, but right now they have a real stronghold that is false teaching, false doctrine. And the only thing that's going to bring that stronghold down is the weapons of our warfare, which is the word of God. So hope that helps, Jennifer.
1: Yeah. And going back to John 1 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Their version adds the letter A, as you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, in the Greek, there is no a God. It is just God. They added to God's word. Watch out! It's kind of scary stuff. <laughs> and again, just wait. They they've removed a lot more than that. So so uh, anyway, check that out. Uh, stay on the line, Jennifer. We'll send you out uh, the movie Jesus, based on the book of Luke. Something I think you'll enjoy. Okay? Thank
3: you very much,
1: Jennifer. God bless you. Let your light shine. Again, uh, that's why we're all still here, to be, that, uh, be those ambassadors for the Most High. Let's go to Jeffrey, Maui Hawaii, aloha. Hello. Hi, how may we help? Hi,
3: hi. Uh, my question was, is there any evidence of women pastors in the time of Paul the Apostle?
1: No, that I know of, your no. thoughts.
2: No, um, Paul was very clear and, and you know, I want to say, first of all, Paul gets a bad rap. He was anti-woman. He was a, he was a chauvinist. He, you know, w- saw women as inferior and all of this. No, he didn't. Uh, he, he was dealing with divine order when he said these words, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp, usurp authority over the man but to be in silence. And that is in the context of the local church and any pastor. I'm a pastor, Mike's pastor. I've been a pastor for 40 years. And I can tell you, you find out in the first year that you've got to exercise authority over both genders in that congregation. That's just a part of pastoring. You've got to exercise spiritual authority. You're, you're bringing the word to them. You're revealing God's will to them via the scriptures, uh, You're leading them, guiding them, nurturing them, warning them, all the things that goes along with uh, pastoring. And so Paul is saying that women, as women, um, are not to exercise that kind of authority over men, which is what the pastorate requires. So no, we find no pastoral or or female pastors in in the New Testament. They're not there. Even the Greek word for pastor has a masculine ending. Yeah. There's not any.
1: And and somebody will say, well, what about the Old Testament and Deborah? Well, Deborah was not a priest, a pastor. She was a judge, like a county commissioner. She was the judge over Israel. So, uh, Jeffrey, we'll talk more about this on the other side of the break. And we are coming up on that break. We'll be back for more right after this.
4: Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's Metashare. Maybe you've heard switching to Metashare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for Metashare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. Metashare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 855-91 Bible. That's eight five five ninety-one Bible. Eight five five ninety one Bible.
0: More than ever, pastors need to feel people's love and support. Over the last few years, many pastors have seriously considered leaving their church. But 1 Thessalonians 5.12 instructs all churches and all Christians to show and share their deep appreciation for those who minister to them. There is no better time to do this than Pastor Appreciation Month in October. And there's no better way to do it than using the easy as 123 Bless Your Pastor materials that are available for free at blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Plus, the great news is that if your church uses the 123 Bless Your Pastor materials, the pastors at your church will be offered a $300 scholarship application to attend a Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage retreat. What a blessing this will be to your pastors and their spouses. For free materials, go to blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org.
1: Back to part two of Jerry Man and Answer here on this Wednesday afternoon with Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and uh, we were talking with Jeffrey in Maui, Hawaii um, about women pastors in the New Testament. We don't find any. They're not there. And um, so I hope that helps, Jeffrey.
2: If I could add something something real quick. Go, Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry, yeah, Jeffrey, let me just uh, I want to balance this out because I don't I don't want to be misunderstood. Um, the New Testament shows many examples of women ministering, being very effective, uh, like Philippians uh, four, two to three. Uh, Paul is very, very clear that both Euodia and Syntyche, now I'm just going to quote Paul, they labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. And he's referring to evangelistic outreach. So these women were were very helpful uh, to Paul in these evangelistic efforts. They they were integrally involved in reaching the loss for Christ. We got to remember the woman at the well. Once she really understood she was talking to the Messiah, she made a beeline for her town of Samaria and preached to the whole town that she had found the real Messiah, and the whole town came out to hear Jesus because of the message of the woman at the well. And then you see in Romans 16, 3-4, uh, where Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned again. And this time, Paul mentions them as fellow workers who risked their necks for the gospel. So again, sharing the gospel, evangelizing in the name of Christ. So over and over again, and uh, Timothy owed his salvation to uh, his mother, and grandmother teaching him the scriptures. So again, we don't in any way want to sell women short uh, because the Bible really does not do that. Only when it comes to the line of the sand seems to me to be a, a woman pastoring being being the actual pastor over a church. We don't find female elders, we don't find female pastors they're just not there, but female ministers and other, uh, categories. Absolutely. So, uh, just want to balance that out and make it clear and that there are many ways that women minister effectively and powerfully in the name of the Lord. Hope that helps Jeffrey. Well, sure. Yeah, does. Yeah. So, okay. So outside of the Bible is there's no
3: historical evidence either then.
1: Well, there, there has been women pastors, uh, but, the, if we're going to follow what god's word says then this is i, I believe what we have to follow now i do know a couple of women pastors that took over the church when their husband died and and I, I i've seen really some some pretty um phenomenal things that the lord does there but i believe as the general rule in the bible that we find now i'm not opposed to as an example, there are missionaries that are women that they're the only Christian voice in an entire town. There's just not enough men to go around for missionaries. And there's a woman that's, that's there doing Bible studies. I, I believe that as long as the woman is under biblical authority, uh, I, I, I believe that is, is, uh, follows, uh, falls within God's uh, directive. However, As far as being the senior pastor of a church um, uh, and and being a woman, it is not found in Scripture. And if we're going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and we don't find any women priestesses in the Old Testament either, I would have to conclude that this is what the issue is. Paul's stating the reason why. It says the woman was deceived, not the man. The man willfully ate of the tree. When Paul writes to Timothy, but the woman was deceived, and even today you you'll see women who are false uh, false prophetesses. You you have Ellen G. White, you have you have um, Mayor Mary Baker Eddy, you have all these different women that uh, claim to be a, a prophetess, but what they teach us is, is not even what the Bible says. They 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 take the scripture and twist it. So I believe this is why. And, and Paul makes that clear when he writes to Timothy that it was not a cultural issue. Well, you know, uh, you know, women aren't really popular in this Roman culture, but no, that's not what it was. He cites the scriptural reason why, that it was Eve that was deceived. Now, some people believe that women are more sensitive to spiritual things than men are. They're just more sensitive, period, than men are. You know, you see a little boy going down the, uh, you know, the sidewalk and he s- slips and skins his knee. You know, the mom, oh, come here, I'll help you. And the dad, oh, he'll be all right. You know, just, you know, just wipe it off. You know, <laughs> guys are, you know, just that way. I think women are more sensitive towards feelings and emotions and and uh, even spiritual things. But what Paul is saying there, they lack maybe some discernment knowing where that voice is coming from. Eat of the tree, Satan said to her, and she did. So
2: I believe that yeah, this I, is I,
1: why why we have that. Your thoughts.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I would also add, if you stop and think, if you go back even a hundred years, female pastors were not near the issue they are today. And I think some of that at least has to be attributed to the tidal wave of feminism that went across our country you know, if a man can do it, a woman can do it. And uh, so, therefore, uh, what has typically been held as a male profession, now I, as a woman, uh, can step into it and do just as good a job, if not better. Because that was the message of feminism, which has now blossomed into uh, so much more. Uh, confusion, the whole gender thing, uh, really, to my mind, started with the advent of feminism. Uh, you know, just recently the Southern Baptist Convention had a huge to do about, uh, female pastors. They had to make, they had to take a vote. They had to take a stand and announce to the world where they did stand with female pastors. And they stood on the side of scripture that scripture does not uh, validate female pastors. And it, it was a big deal. It's still a big deal. It's still broiling. Um, a couple of, very large Southern Baptist churches left the convention because that's the way they voted. But I have to say, in this case, the Southern Baptists voted uh, per the word of God. And uh, so sometimes you got to take a very unpopular stand and the, what the word uh, clearly teaches is it goes right against the grain of the culture, but you've got to take a stand and, and let the fallout be the fallout, and please God rather than men. And I think that's what they did. So I hope that helps. It seems like every single church here in Maui, every, everyone that I know,
3: um, all the pastors' wives are pastors. Every church I know.
1: Well, now, now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, because the Bible clearly says that the older women, speaking, I believe, in the Lord, not maybe necessarily in years, but, but... Uh, you know, more mature uh, Christian women are to minister to uh, are to minister other to other women. Absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that.
2: But the so are you
1: are you are, are you saying
2: Jeffrey that they are they are the pastors of the church, or that they just kind of wear that title? They wear that title.
3: Like every okay. church I know here on Maui, everyone the pastor's wife is also a pastor, and they
1: preach too. Yeah, Jeff, your thoughts on on
2: yeah? On, well, on that. well, that's yes, and I and I'm going to venture a guess that they are uh, overwhelmingly uh, non-denominational churches. Is that right? Yes, yes, yeah. So so they lean charismatic, and I'm not saying charismatic like a bad word. I'm just saying. They lean more on the charismatic side of things. And in the charismatic arena, this began, I'm going to say, 30 years ago or so, where charismatic-leaning pastors began to also uh, identify their wives to the congregation as a co-pastor. And that's something that um, they've just decided to do, and it caught on and, and virtually— any charismatic church you go to, almost, you know, 90% of them or more, I, I would venture to guess, are going to be calling their wives a co-pastor. But again, when, you, when it comes to function, she is not to exercise authority over the, the men of the congregation. And you must do that if you're going to pastor them. So it might be a title without a function. If they're functioning in that, well, then they've got to deal with the scriptures that we just read and I can't answer for them. I don't call my wife a pastor. Uh, she doesn't want to be called a pastor and that's just our choice. Um, she's a women's minister and she ministers to the women that, and that's what she does, but she's not called a pastor. Some choose to do this. Some don't again. They will have to answer to the Word of God and how they understand it. My understanding is uh, if you're a pastor, you must exercise authority and that Scripture does not grant you that uh, that place.
1: And, and I, I really believe the idea of the pastor, let's, let's go back to that, is setting the directive and the direction of the church. That is not in the woman's uh, scope. Of of biblical Christianity, that is set by the male. That's what Paul says, and so I believe if a woman stands up and shares on a Sunday morning or something, I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I I know men can learn a lot of things from ladies, like how to be treated sometimes. So uh, that's not a bad thing. But I think if if women, as an example, um, I I know one particular case where the man is not a pastor. He, he works, I don't know, a regular carpentry job or something. And his wife is the pastor of, of the church they attend. That is out of biblical protocol. And so yeah. I believe this is where we have to look at this. Now... If if you know if if you're married and and your wife comes to you and says hey you know this person's causing trouble in the church we need to she's not exercising authority over 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 the church she's saying hey we have a problem here we need to deal with it I think that's okay that's discipline but if it's but when it comes as the pastor setting the direction for the church the Bible says that is the male's responsibility. And we find that in the Old Testament, we find it in the New Testament, and we find no exceptions to it. So I hope that helps, Jeffrey. Yeah, thank you very much. Hey, by the way, how's things going in Maui?
3: Oh man, not 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 so well.
1: Yeah, are you are you close to Lahaina, or are you you uh, down farther south? I
3: I I actually I actually live close to the airport, but I got a lot of friends and family that lost a lot out there and. Everyone's just, there's a lot of tension in the air. So, yeah. yeah, Continued prayers, man.
1: Oh, oh, well, Jeffrey, let's pray for him right now. Let's just do that. Father, thank you that Jeffrey called from Maui. And Lord, we lift up every single person there, uh, and especially those in, in Lahaina that lost everything they own. Father, that you would comfort them, not in the way the world comforts, but the way you comfort. And Lord, that you would send people the right people into their life to help them be restored. And Lord, uh, from the kids trying to go to school and, and learn anything with everything being all tossed up in the air, Lord, Father, we just ask you that you would just you would just reach your hand of benevolent love to them. And Father, that the right people would be there. And Lord, take away the evil people that are trying to merchandise them and take away the things they do have, their land and things. We just ask you, God, that you would intervene in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeffrey, uh, Amen. let your light shine, man. I'm glad you're there.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: If you need anything, let us know. I'll send you the movie Jesus. Uh, if you need more, just let me know what you need. We're here for you, okay?
3: All right. Thank you so much.
1: Jeffrey, God bless you. And uh, we'll we'll be praying. If you need us, call us. Eighty-eight. 88. Ask CSN's the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. We have Diane, Blue Mountain, Arkansas on the air. Hi.
5: Hello brothers. Hi. Thank how you so help? much for taking my call and I have a question for you. Um, I am very blessed to live in a conservative state that does not allow all of this nonsense that's going on in so many states with the school children. Yeah. Um, what I am asking about is, I am a grandparent, um, and as a grandparent, scripturally, uh, where is my place with standing up uh, for my grandchildren against this evil? I want to know. I'm, I read everything about parents, you know, and training your children, et cetera, et cetera, um, and but as a grandparent, I mean, these are my precious grandchildren, and I'm I would not allow anything like what they're doing in many states right now to happen to my grandchildren. But I want to know scripturally, what does the word say about the grandparents role for their grandchildren and standing for them?
1: Well, I think for anybody, I think uh, we want to do the very best to protect our our children from dangers seen and unseen from, from uh, enemies from without and within. Uh, And certainly the stuff that's being being pushed off as normal now uh, uh kansas by the way just um uh their their courts just said no if you are born a male you're going to stay a male if you're born a female you're going to stay a female and they overturned um some of these goofy things that they slipped through um way to go kansas the whole nation needs yes. to learn from you um and right. and this crazy stuff that uh, California nonstop uh, is doing. They are so far away from anything of normal. Uh, it is tragedy, and my heart goes out to anyone in California who has children. Uh, um, I've, I, I would, I would, you know, I, I would walk to work if I, if to to keep my kids out of public school in California. I, I think it's that far gone. Uh, th- these poor kids are learning all this junk from somewhere. Uh, if moms and dads, grandma and grandpa will monitor what their children watch on television and, and on the internet, uh, if we can get our kids out of these these um, cesspools we call uh, school, uh, uh, it, th- this is where the problems are coming from. And, and uh, you have to be taught this insanity. And that's what they're doing. Uh, So I I really believe that there's some real, real uh, places that parents, grandparents can make in their children's life. But the number one thing is to be involved with your children. Watch what they watch. Listen to what they say. You know, uh, I'm not saying spy on them, but let me change it to to a different word. Spy on them. Uh, Because we need to know what's going on with them. There are a lot of very, very bad things. Again, read Romans chapter 1, everyone, if you want to know what God thinks about all this. Romans 1, real simple. It doesn't take a a Bible theologian to just read Romans chapter 1. It is explicitly clear what God says. And this is the problem. So either we're going to do it God's way or we're going to do it the world's way and then pay an unbelievable consequence in the long run. You can violate God's word, you can thumb your nose at God, you can you can do whatever you want, you can cuss him out, you're the loser in the end, people that do those things. And so again, I believe, Grandma, and for all of us that are parents, um, we just need to be involved in our children's life. The, the idea of the latchkey kid is far, far over, where the kids just come home from school and they unlock the door, they do what they want to mom and dad come home at five or six. Uh we need to be watching everything they do. Your thoughts.
2: Yeah, and I would say, Diane, regarding grandmother, kids need you know, positive influence from any way and anywhere they can get it. Biblical influence. And uh, you know, it says in second Timothy one five. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, when I call to a remembrance, the unfeigned or faith without hypocrisy is what that means. The unfeigned or unhypocritical faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois and your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded that in you also. So here Paul is tracking uh, Timothy's family back uh, to his grandmother and saying, you know, your grandmother had the word of God in her. She put the word of God in your mother. Your mother, in turn, along with your grandmother, put the word of God in you. And that has played a huge role, Timothy, in where you are spiritually today, which is a son in the faith to the great apostle Paul. So there you have just a, a biblical example of the influence that a grandmother wielded over a grandson. And I think it's tremendous. I think that any way you can. You know, I know my wife, Cindy, any chance she gets to be with her grandchildren, she grabs it. If she's got to travel, if she's got to be inconvenienced, it doesn't matter. She grabs it and she goes and sees them, spends time with them, spends the night uh, where they are. and uh, And she'll say to me, Jeff, I have this chance this weekend to put the word of God into my grandkids because things are coming at them that even 50 years ago, we would have said, there is no way that will ever happen in public schools. Who could ever have dreamed that in public schools, drag queens, okay, sexually perverted people, would be put on open display and that the children in the schools would be encouraged to watch them, to listen to them, to sit in their lap, and be influenced by them and have books read to them by them. It, it's, you know, I wake up and, and I know so many of our listeners now agree. And I know Mike does. <laughs> you wake up and you go, I'm in a parallel universe. What, what has happened to America in just even the last 20 years? I mean, think about this. Uh, you know, teachers and principals. School superintendents are placing their seal of approval on these kinds of activities, not to mention the, the purely X-rated pornographic books that are being discovered in school libraries, uh, for as young as elementary school age, and they can access them if they want. I mean, books, uh, trumpeting the, the, you know, the, the beauty and the, you know, the value and the validity of homosexuality and, lesbianism and transgenderism. And, you know, when I was in elementary school, I was playing marbles. I was skating. I was watching Superman on TV. I was not, the last thing I was sitting around thinking about is what gender was I? But now children in our school systems are being coaxed and led and encouraged towards deciding that I'm actually... Though I was born a boy, that's really not what I am. I'm a girl in a boy's body. And if the child, if the student says this to a teacher, those teachers have been told to change their pronouns and go along with it without telling the parents. This is child abuse. This is, in my opinion, this is Jeff speaking here, but in in my humble opinion, this is nationally governmentally sanctioned child abuse. And so you've got to take a stand, Diane. You've got to take a stand. You know, what do we do about it? We pray, we share the truth of God's word. But if we do have grandchildren in our purview that that we can influence, then you go, girl, you influence them because they desperately need a godly influence.
1: Amen. And I hope that helps. It does.
5: And I wanted to mention something to you I read today. Somebody posted um, a remark. They said, "What do you think would happen if teachers were secretly baptizing children and not telling the parents what do you think would happen?"
2: Oh, it would be pandemonium. It would be every network in America would be covering it as a horrible, terrible thing. Oh, mercy they would be They would be fried alive but but, we you know can,
1: but you can come along with a, a counterculture um and uh drag queens yeah and 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 that that's okay just shows you hey listen man the 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 more we depart from god in our nation the more insanity will reign supreme yeah joe biden saying that he taught four years at a college he was never there he was never there just outright lying if a republican would do that you would have the you would have the whole world up in arms because of course, the American news media is going to do that. But they just kind of brush it away. And like I said the other day, remember the cocaine in the White House? You don't hear about that, do you? That's a high crime. All just vanished. Thank you, American Slept news media, for sweeping it under the rug and keeping America in darkness. Diane, stay in line. We'll send you out a book, a DVD. I think you'll really enjoy it. And uh, we got time. We'll try to do Michelle here, uh, get her call in. Uh, Boise, Idaho, I welcome
3: Hi. So, real quick, I know we're almost time's up here, but um, so I was just kind of wondering, why don't we ever use the Geneva Bible? Instead, we're using, James, you know, the King James is the majority or the main source. Like, you know, the Mayflower came with the Geneva Bible. and
1: Okay, the... very quickly. We got it. Um, your thoughts, Jeff?
2: Well, there's a lot can be said about Geneva Bible. It preceded the King James by about 51 years, it was an extremely popular Bible. I mean, I could go through a list of names that, uh famous people that used it, uh, and uh, it was the very first Bible to be translated entirely from the original languages of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and it was the first mass-printed Bible for the general public. It just seems that once the King James came out, uh, Michelle, it eclipsed that Bible for whatever reason. But if you've got one and you want to use it, the English would be a little bit archaic. But it would certainly be a good Bible.
1: Amen. Lewd fellows of a Basser sort. Yeah, we don't really talk yeah.
2: that way anyway,
1: anymore. Michelle, no. say online, we'll send you out uh, the movie Jesus. And um, again, keep looking up our redemption draws. Life. Thanks, Jeff. God bless you all and good night. To
0: find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Everyman and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.